Hey everybody, it's Sam with West Virginia Overtime, and I wanted to kind of touch base with you guys. I have been attending the NABC virtual uh, basketball coaching clinic and um, trying to get better as a coach. So this episode is going to be more for coaches, but players, you can listen to it too. It can probably maybe get you to also focus but I'm through listening to all these different coaches at the coaches clinic I have really decided to take this time and become better as a coach and I think as I become better as a coach then my teams will become better teams my players will become better players and we will all get better through kind of the trickle-down effect. So putting together some thoughts and and what I have been thinking about and what I'm hearing from a great many coaches during this time is you really need to step back and figure out what's important to you because everything – can't be important and you're you're thinking well everything needs to be important in order for us to be the best team we can be possibly well no no you've got to decide what's important to you and that makes so much sense to me because you know when I get up in the morning I have a a certain order that I want to do things in Um, you know I do the same things over because that's what's important to me. You know, when, when I get up, I, I want to uh, immediately go to the bathroom because that's important to me. Well, what is important to you? You cannot, as a, a coach and as a team, as a coach, you can't be the best defensive coach ever and the best uh, offensive coach ever and the best special teams or special situations coach ever. And you can't expect your team to be the best offensive team ever, plus the best defensive team ever, plus the best special situations or special team um, ever. You have to decide what is important to you, what are you going to be known for? And you have to decide what you're going to spend your time on. What's going to be your concentration? What is your main thinking on? And I know when we sit down and we do up our practice plans, Yes, we we give equal time to offense, defense, and and special situations or special teams. Great. That's what you're supposed to do. However, we all know what we're focusing on. When I'm coaching basketball and it's defensive time, I am totally focused on defense. But... There's a part of me that when my offensive players are going up against my defense, that if they pass the ball, I don't know, five times, and 
they finally get someone open completely five feet away, and that player doesn't take the shot. Well, number one, I'm, I am focused on defense, so I'm going to throw a fit at the defense. But number two, I am going to notice that that player did not take that shot. Because I am a defensive-minded coach, but I am also focused on shooting. So, no matter what my defense is doing and stuff, if a player isn't taking an open shot, that's one of the things that irks me. And so, I'm always going to notice that because that's something that I, that's important to me. See the example there? Um, I'm a defensive-minded coach, so when my we're working. It's offensive time. We're working on, you know, we're playing three on three or we're playing five on five. We're working on something offensively. I can't help it that even though we're working offensively on moves in, you know, to score because I'm a defensive minded coach and that's what's important to me. I am focused on that. Um, I really have to rein myself in for when the offensive player does something and scores or or does something really well. I have to rein myself in not to concentrate on that defensive player, what they did wrong. You need to be like that. You need to know what's important to you. Um, it irks me when I hear um, coaches say, well, we're just not good at this. You know, I hear, you know, a lot of coaches say, well, we're just not good at this. Well, I I heard a lot of coaches do that this season, this past season, and it made me think, well, why aren't you? Because I think if we catch ourselves as coaches saying that, we need to maybe stop and think, well, maybe we aren't good at it because I don't practice it enough. Maybe we aren't good at it because I don't emphasize it enough. Or maybe we're not good at it because I, me as a coach, don't know it well enough. So, you know, if you're not a good blocking team in football, do you step back and say, do we practice it enough? Do we emphasize it enough? Do I know it well enough? Am I teaching it to the basic fundamentals and then building on it? And what I mean by that is I think throughout the years that, that I've attended different coaches' practices, a lot of coaches think that teams or players have this basic fundamental knowledge and they're just going to build on it. 
Well, what I found is when coaches say we're not good enough at whatever, a lot of times when you actually look, the players don't have that fundamental knowledge and the coaches are trying to build upon something that's not there. They're they're trying to teach them at a higher level than what they're at. And when we all know as people, when someone starts talking at a higher level than what you're, where you're at, you, number one, get embarrassed and don't want to admit, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Or number two, we tune out and say, you know, I can't really participate in this. I don't understand what they're saying. And, and we go, well, no, I, I think we don't need to do that. I think we've got to realize, oh, I'm talking at a higher level than what my players are at, and I've got to start with the fundamentals. So let me take and give you guys, for instance, if you say in basketball, we are not good shooters, we're we're just not good shooting team, well, are you going to accept that or... Are you going to figure out how to get better at that? So, you know, if if I hear you say, well, my team's just not good shooters, okay? If I come and spend a day with you or a week with you, if I came to your school or your house or whatever for the day, would I see you watching a video about shooting like i mean would i see you watching video from nba shooting coach dave love to learn how to coach shooting better or how to diagnose a player's shot would i see you looking up or buying video watching video on how to become a better coach in shooting Would I see you during that day watching your practice film? Yes, I did say practice film. I know a lot of you out there don't tape your practices. I encourage you, you need to be taping your practices. Even if you're not taping them every day, you need to tape them regularly. Would I see you watching your practice film, looking at how different players shoot? diagnosing their shot during that practice and then making a plan on how you, you as a coach, are going to get them better. Notice what I said there. Would I see you watching them in practice on film, watching them, just one player or two players, throughout the whole entire practice, and noting what they're doing wrong in different subsections. Because in practice, they may shoot correctly at the free throw line, but they're not shooting correctly on a corner base shot. Or maybe they are shooting correctly on a corner wide open base shot, but they don't shoot correctly when um, they drive and they stop and pop. 
you know, because that means different things. So are you looking at how a player shoots? And then are you, you as the coach, are you making a plan on how to get them better? Not that you're making a note, hey, talk to so-and-so before practice today and say, oh, I see you're off balance when you're you're driving and you're stopping and popping, so make sure you get yourself under control. No, 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 no. We're not coaching NBA players. You can't just say, oh, correct this. And leave it alone. You've got to make a plan. How how am I going to get them better at this? Then, since I'm spending the day with you and I attend your practice, and you're not, you've said I'm, we're not a good shooting team. Well, do I see you emphasizing shooting in practice? Now I'm talking not just during shooting time and yes i'm doing air quotes with my fingers you know you may say we're not a good shooting team so you put a block in there where it's going to be shooting time no that's not what i mean are you emphasizing you say you're not a good shooting team are you emphasizing shooting all practice long are you getting onto them are you focused on shooting Hey, we need to shoot better. Hey, we need to do shooting better. We need to make sure we make that shot. We we are focusing and emphasizing shooting all practice long. That hour we're in the gym, that two hours we're in the gym, we're staying on that in order to become better. Are we keeping stats about shooting during practice? I know a lot of coaches out there keep stats on certain things at certain times like i know a lot of basketball coaches keep free throw shooting stats they say hey we're not a good shooting team well are you saying you're not a good free throw shooting team because i agree with you if if you're not a good free throw shooting team then you probably should keep free throw shooting stats but if you're not a good game shooting team Are you keeping shooting stats all practice long? Because free throws are a small breakdown of a game. But I think what most coaches say when they say, you know, we're not a good shooting team. I think they mean during the game, during action. Well, are you keeping stats during practice, letting you know, are you getting better or are you getting worse? Are you staying the same? How do you need to change up things in order for you to become a better free throw shoot or excuse me, game shooting team? Now, since I'm spending the day with you after practice, will I see you as a coach? Pulling different players aside. Well, I see you after practice talking to different players. You know, after you have your your team meeting and you talk, are you pulling a player or two aside and saying, um, you need to do this, and you're showing them, you're re-going over technique. Or if you're pulling such and such player aside and you're wanting to talk about shot selection, 
um, are you taking them back out on the floor and showing them where their role is, where they can shoot from, talking to them about shot selection? Are you pulling a player aside, taking the, the board, the basketball board, and you're showing them different areas, you're showing them different things? Are you taking a ball and talking about technique? Then since I'm spending the day with you, after practice, will I see you get together as a team of coaches? And since shooting is your emphasis, are you asking your coaching team, are you saying, how do you feel we did today about emphasizing shooting? Do, you, do we need to do it more? Do we need to do it less? Did we remember to do it during this particular section of practice? Are you re-evaluating each day's practice plans, either after that practice or later that night or the next day, but definitely before you have the next day's practice? Are you sitting down as a team of coaches and breaking down that practice? and say, we wanted to emphasize shooting in this practice. Did we accomplish that? How can we get better? Are you really focusing on really getting better? And then one of the other things that I think I've learned through these coaching clinics is you've got to come up with a list of non-negotiables in your head. What are things that you really get mad about? What are things that are going to light you up? What are, what are some things that just drive you wild? Because it can't be everything. And I think that's the thing where I was the most lacking is I've got to know what I stand for. Because you can't yell all the time. If you're a coach that yells all the time, the players just get used to it and they assume that is your normal voice. So in order to talk to them, if you're a yelling coach, in order to get them to pay attention, to know what your non-negotiables are, you may have to get quieter. You may have to talk in a little above a whisper. However, if you're a coach that can talk in a normal voice, like I'm talking to you, they will get used to that as your normal voice. And when you yell, then they'll understand, oh, this is a change, i got to pay attention. And so that's the thing is not to lose your voice. Knowing that when, you, when you're going to get upset. So what are your non-negotiables as a coach? What is something that you're going to be known for? That when it happens, the field stops or the gym stops, or the gym or the field gets quiet if it's during a game because 
they everyone knows you don't do that um you know is is it going to be I'm just going to tell you what one of mine is. I hate for my defense to allow a base drive, baseline drive. I don't know why. That irks me. I think because it was beat into me as a little kid, as a uh, my first season as a player. Um, you know, my coach did not want us letting anyone drive baseline on us. Um so that's that's something we no baseline has been beat into me um so i i want my players to know that's something we do not do we do not allow someone to drive baseline period and that when they allow that that's a non-negotiable i'm gonna blow up the gym is going to stop, and everybody's going to know, I hate that. We don't allow that, period. And so when you see me coaching 10 years from now, and my former players are in the stand, and that happens, then they're going to go silent, because they know that that's something that I stand for. So I I think we as coaches have got to step back and say, what are the three, four things? You know, they're, they're not 20. What are the three or four things that are non-negotiables? What are the three or four things that we absolutely hate? Because when you think about it, if they know that I hate these three things and my assistant coach hates these three things, and this assistant coach hates these three things. And this assistant coach hates these. Well, well, now they have 12 things they now know or nine things they now know. I can't do. So we're teaching them. And then the one last thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about on this particular podcast episode is something that I think that we've gotten away from. I'm, I'm kind of old school. And um, I think the quote, fear does the work of reason, is very aptable now. And I think a lot of coaches have gotten away from that. They don't want to use fear and they don't want kids to be afraid well I don't want kids to be afraid either and that comes from my child protective services background my child welfare background I don't want I don't want kids to be afraid so I'm not using it in those terms but I think kids need to be afraid or fear that you won't play them um, and like I said, maybe that's an old school philosophy. Maybe this is something that you guys are going to disagree with me about and write me at wvovertime at gmail.com or you're going to come on Facebook or Twitter and say, hey, I don't agree with you on this. But 
like I said, I'm coming from the old school philosophy where I think kids need to be afraid that you won't play them. Kids work harder, I think, when they think they won't get to play. I think players need to know, if I don't change this, then I'm not going to play. I think the bench can be a very powerful motivator. I think that players should know, if I do this, then I'm coming out. I, I, I think coaches nowadays can't be afraid to sit someone. And I look back on that. Um, my second year as a coach, I was a head coach at the middle school level of a girls basketball team. Um, there was a kid who, you know, I think she was a seventh grader at the time. Everybody could look at this kid and know she was going to be good. She was good. She was great for a seventh grader, but everybody knew she was going to be good. That, you know, she had the talent to be a Division One prospect. Um, she had the parents' support. She had the work ethic, the desire. She was going to be, you know, she could go be all world if she wanted to be. Um, I was a second year coach. I had been brought up in old school mentality. Um, I'd always been brought to think, you know, if you don't do what the coach says, then we're going to put you on the bench. And so it was second nature to me. I told her, 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 she had, you know, parents in the stand. I, it was brought to my attention that her father was yelling, shoot it. And I didn't realize that. I had looked at game film of the previous game and I didn't realize why she was shooting a particular shot. And I didn't, I didn't want her shooting it. I had told her during shot selection I don't want you shooting this particular shot. And so I called a timeout. It was first quarter. I'll never forget this. Uh, it was first quarter. I called a timeout. And I made some adjustments. And in the huddle, I looked at her specifically. And I said, remember... We are not taking this shot, period. I do not care what your dad says. We go, the team goes back out on the floor. I sit down. It's not, I don't know, 30 seconds later. I can still remember the play in my head. She gets past the ball. Her dad yells, shoot it. And because I'm paying attention to it, I hear it. I normally don't hear the fans unless they get extremely loud. I, I really don't pay attention to them. But because I was paying attention to it, because she was in, um, he yelled, shoot it. She hesitated. And then she shot it. 
because she had hesitated, obviously she missed it. She, it, it wasn't a good shot. I don't even know that um, she hit the rim. But at that moment in time, I had already, like I said, you know, the, I had looked at the previous game film. I had decided this is what I'm standing for. And I immediately took her out, put a new player in, and I didn't pay attention to her. She come off the floor. I did not slap hands. I didn't give her any positive encouragement. I did not um, do anything that I normally do. I didn't go set with her. And talk about, you know, what I want her to do when she come, goes back in the game. I I didn't do anything that I normally do. I ignored her. And she sat down on the bench. I proceeded to coach the game. At the end of the first quarter. You know, um, we were up by two. And quarter change... I say, same five staying in. And I noticed her cock her head and kind of step back. Because I, th- I really think her being a great kid, she just assumed she would go back in at the start of the second quarter. No. I am teaching a lesson. I see as I've been down to talk to the team, you know, between quarter switches, and, and I'm telling them, same five in, and we're going over, you know, anything we want to change, anything that I want to emphasize, anything that um, we want to look at specifically, we want to go to a certain area, or anything that we want to focus on on defense or anything. The things you talk about in between quarters, I notice the players looking around. Looking at each other, looking at her, looking at different things, and they go back out on the floor. We play the second quarter. You know, I'm putting in subs. I'm taking people out. I'm high-fiving them, you know, because I'm taking them out because they're tired. I'm high-fiving. Good job. Way to hustle. Um, You know, people are making mistakes. I'm putting different people in. And I'm kind of continuing to ignore this one player. Other team actually catches up. Other team actually goes ahead and is winning. Halftime. As we are walking off the floor, I decide, hey, I need to holler at her. And I say, hey, such and such, walk with me. So she comes back there. And, of course, the team heard me yell that. Of course, the team sees us walking together. And I'm talking to her in normal voice. Like, I'm talking to you guys right now. And I'm saying, look, I hate that, you know, I had to set you out. But I've been telling you the last couple practices. I told you after the last game, been telling you the last couple practices. We're, We're not shooting that shot. I called a timeout, and I said, and I wanted to remind you, we're not shooting that shot, and that I don't care what your dad says. 
I don't care if your dad tells you to shoot that shot. One way or another, we're not going to shoot that shot. So what I mean is no one on the team is going to do that. And that includes you. And if you can't listen, then you're going to have to sit on the bench. Because one way or another, we're not shooting that shot. She nodded her head. We went in. We conducted halftime, like we always do, making adjustments and all that. And, you know, as we get ready to go out, I say, you know, starting five back in the game. And, of course, she automatically, boom, just grins. We go back out afterwards. We catch up. You know, we end up winning the game and everything. And after the game, of course, she must have told her parents. Her 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 dad, I'm sure, questioned, why did you not play the second quarter? Why did, why did you come out in the first quarter? Um, because, like I said, everybody believed she was all world. Well, I'm going to make the assumption that, you know, she she told her dad. And I got a phone call later that night from her dad. And he asked, could he talk to me? And I said, yeah, I, I, I have a 24-hour rule where you usually wait 24 hours after a game. And I told him, I said, you know, we're not going to discuss it in depth, but I'm sure I know what you want to talk about. So um, you can go ahead, and if it gets too far along, then we're going to waste the 24 hours, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he said, no, I, I know why you did what you did. Um, my daughter explained it to me, and I just wanted to call and say thank you. And I was a second-year coach, and I said, what? And he said, I have to respect you. And I guess I wasn't doing that. I need to realize as a parent that what you say goes. And I thanked him. We talked several weeks, maybe a month after it again. And that is something that he brought up again. It has been numerous years later she is now working in washington dc she she is an unbelievable person she has grown up and and is an unbelievable person do you know still to this day she brings that up and her dad brings that up because the thing is coaches if you have certain things that you stand for, certain things that you emphasize, certain things that you believe in, certain things that you're willing to let players know, if you do this, I will take you out and let fear be the reason, then not only will you teach that one player, you'll be teaching your team, you'll be teaching your fans, your parents, your community, that I have certain things that I stand for, and I'm not willing to bend or break them 
no matter who the player is. I'm going to teach lessons because that's my job as a coach is to teach, to coach. And so I am going to stand for certain things and I'm willing to no matter who the player is, win or lose, I'm willing to teach them this. And it may be something on the floor or on the court or on the field. It may be something off the court. It may be you stand for them acting a certain way. But whatever you choose to stand for, everyone, and I mean everyone, whether they're a star player, they're a substitute, they're a bench player, they're a manager, they're your statistician, they're the clock keep. Everyone needs to realize that you stand for it and you're willing to set them on the bench for it. And that includes your star players. That includes your starters. That includes your substitutes. They need to have a healthy fear that you're willing to set them down for this. So I wanted to keep this this kind of short, so I'm I'm doing that. Um, I will probably be back a little later with more things that I've learned at Coaches Clinics, but I just kind of wanted to take a minute and put my thoughts into audio form and hope that someone out there will be listening to this and say, aha, I get it. Or they might have learned something new. Or maybe I'm out there reminding a couple of you that have been coaching 20 years or 30 years, oh yeah, I need to go back to my roots and see who I am. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If this is your first time listening, feel free to subscribe to any podcatcher that you're listening to this on, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on all of them. Um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen today. Um, If you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, feel free to write me at uh, wvovertime at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter or uh, our Facebook page. Uh, Do not forget to subscribe to our Facebook page, wvovertime. And I will be talking to you guys soon. I hope everything is well with all of you.